0: I welcome you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want
1: the truth! You can't handle the truth! I hope they are watching. They'll
2: see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say she wouldn't even have a fly. What's up, everybody? You're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we are so excited to be back with you for yet another fantastic week of Chicago Film Conversation. Actually, do you know what, to, do you know what this is? It's the 30th anniversary of Akira. Yes,
1: <laughs> that's yeah. actually true. That <laughs> is a hundred percent true. Yeah, is that uh, what you were gonna say? No, were you gonna say what the that an apple has been created genetically with an <laughs> orange peel surrounding it, <laughs> unbroken?
2: No. Okay. <laughs> Damn well, it. Now I have I have no guesses. Listen, what is hey, it? This is a momentous occasion. Ah, uh. the big five zero. Fifty. Fifty Wait episodes! No way! Yeah! Oh my god! Well, how do you denote that in Roman numerals? Yeah. Uh, Wait, was golf. it XL?
1: Golf. XL.
2: XL. XL, baby. I want to say that's... Or no.
0: That's like
1: 60, right? Or no, 40? I don't know. XL. <laughs> L. What was the last... <laughs> oh, I what? think
0: it's just L. I think you're right. It's just L.
1: Oh, it's Super the bo- big L. The big L. Yes. Right on right. the forehead. Let's uh, put. Uh, we did it. <laughs> Let's put a Smash Mouth <laughs> in there. Yeah.
2: Uh producer can you please add a little smash mouth yeah producer, thank know. you <laughs> we'll add it in post. uh so yeah welcome to the 50th episode of wow. no Code cinema i can't believe we did it i'm so happy now i'm a little i was a tri- tri- cripplingly depressed this morning and yeah now this has just turned it all around i'm so glad i'm so glad and we <laughs> you know we wanted to celebrate our 50th episode whether connor knew it or not <laughs> uh by bringing back some of our one of our favorite guests of the uh Of the last year year or so, over a year, um, we've been doing this, and now we're on episode 50. So uh, we really wanted to talk about a project that I think is so exciting for the Chicago film community. I think it's really uh, something that our guests, who I will introduce momentarily, they're really bringing together all of their skills, all of their hard work, and all of their goodwill here in the community to make something that's really special and really unique. To the Chicago film community. Of course, I am talking about Black Sight the Musical from Soft Cage. Yes, sir. I call ma'am. Me ma'am. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> I fine. A, I can had be had whatever I want to yeah. be. Uh, that is Black Sight the Musical, which tells an important <laughs> story inspired by real events. So, protesters. Came together to occupy a lot and build a community directly across the street from a secret interrogation facility run by the police department. The Black Site committed numerous illegal and horrific injustices and inspired a social justice abolitionist movement that still exists today. So this is an incredibly socially conscious film musical. I love that we're bringing musicals back and we're going to do it the indie way. Uh, to talk about Black Side the musical, we have brought in some of the folks behind it from soft cage uh if you'd like to just introduce yourselves we'll just go down the line
3: i'm david a Holcomb, uh director editor producer on the film i'm spence a warren producer
0: on the film
4: and i'm adia ivy i'm one of the screenwriters for the film
2: well so glad that you guys could join us today we really appreciate it um I guess we just have to jump to the obvious. How did you guys come up with this idea of doing a musical, something that people generally attribute with, you know, bright, happy, dancing, you know, all that kind of t- is tap. Do you guys have, is there any tap dancing? I would, I,
0: you know, Were you, were you just, just referencing the dance. Gregory Hines, Savion Glover movie tap? So, yeah. Like was that what you were? Is that is that what just happened right now? Because that would be amazing. Okay, never mind. Uh,
2: But it's sorry to disappoint. Musicals are super; they're considered to be very bright, up, uh, upbeat, all that kind of stuff. But we're mixing it with something that is very serious and something that people, you know, have been concerned about, should still be concerned
3: about. You know, what made you decide to bring those two ideas together? Uh, Well, I was following the news uh, when the uh, black site was uh, exposed in The Guardian, Um, and at the time we were making a lot of documentaries about social justice movements. We went to the uh, Freedom Square, which inspired our story. And, um, one of the first things I noticed about this encampment they had built is that they actually erected a stage, they had performances, they were using art in a radical way to protest and to create, like, a really stark, um, uh, juxtaposition, uh, you know, across the street there were these atrocities occurring, and yet they were directly fighting it using, uh, things that were empowering. So that, that was really exciting, um, and like you said i I haven't really heard of any like super low budget indie musical films and I knew this film would be dark and I thought that the best way to approach this would be to uh, to make a rollicking musical about police brutality <laughs> <laughs> that, I, that's it's just previously
2: unsaid sentences <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A musical about police brutality I imagine yeah. it opens up a little
1: bit more room for dynamicism because you can approach it from like the there can be moments of lightness and happiness and instead of just directly making a movie where you're explaining, you know, maybe putting characters in, being interrogated in the black side or whatever, right. it opens it up for a little bit more. You know, you can play with it a little bit more. Exactly. And, and capture the empowerment. And we also have Adia Ivy here, who is a, a screenwriter. Hey. What was it like to work on writing that film?
4: I think when we were first discussing even that very topic, I feel like bringing music into it Um, was a strategic way to not just make another film about suffering in a very one-dimensional idea and story because there are so many aspects of it. And one thing I really liked about using the format of a musical is like the idea of frontality, of putting these emotions and thoughts that have been silenced for so long on the front line specifically for the audience. So I feel like incorporating that was a great part of the whole project
1: and the person who composed the film angelo natoli did you work very closely with with him while you guys were writing the film was Actually, it like
4: no i met him later on but like he's really great at what he does and i was listening to some of his other work and it's great um but yeah no i was working more with the story itself okay not the music
1: i've just i've never we've never interviewed anybody that's made a musical before so i'm yeah. just mostly just curious about how you even go about starting to create one or creating one and from the ground. none of
0: us um. have ever made a musical before. <laughs> no so one that worked on this film would ever worked on a, a musical. Not a single person right. at least not a movie musical we've got a bunch of uh, theater actors in this thing so they've got stage musical perf- uh, uh, experience but not a single one of us has ever made a movie musical. I don't think
3: I've even met anyone that's made a musical I movie. I don't
0: think I have either actually um, I do enjoy watching them but yeah, uh, yeah this, is, this has been the first chance to make one um, and so we we're very much guiding ourselves by the same principles that we follow with any other project. Shore up the narrative as best we can. Um, Make sure that we are uh, engaging earnest, honest emotions where possible. Um, Don't be afraid of the darkness or the light. I think that we actually, particularly in independent film, we have equal fear of both of those things. We fear the darkness. We also fear the light. We fear opportunities to be uh, joyful and to, to, to show restrain, that kind of joyous restraint and things. So, you know, musicals allow you, um, as our folks were just saying, to, to elevate things in a way that um, no other form really does. So it was an exciting opportunity to um, to, to, to to test out. Our metal um, in this way.
1: Were you guys afraid while you were making it that it was going to be too one-sided, either too fun, too light, and it would, you know, not really be doing the justice of the subject or going too dark and you wouldn't really be doing the justice of the musical that they wanted to make?
3: Hmm.
4: I think I was more worried about doing the justice for the people. I think even when I was able to reach out to some people who actually experienced these instances, they articulated their own fear of just turning it into a spectacle. And so the biggest worry for me, the concern that I've been constantly like actively aware of, um, is just making sure that the truth is there and that there is genuine emotion and story behind it, not just spectacle.
2: So when it comes to researching these events, you mentioned that you spoke to some people, like how did you get yourself in the mindset of I'm going to tell this story, what are the facts? What are the, and also what are the emotions behind it? What, um, what ways did you prepare to actually sit down and write this?
0: Hmm.
4: I think honestly, just having an honest conversation. And I was just speaking to one of them on the phone, but it was, it felt very natural. You know, it's not just asking questions blatantly, question after question, it, it's getting to know their life and how they got into that situation in the first place how they found themselves at Home and square and move I'm sorry no, um,
2: I'm, it's very I mean it is one of those emotional things when you start getting into it and when um, as a writer, it's like you know. It seems like you really have to dig deep those those conversations you're talking about, and uh, having to not just ask them questions as you said, but get to know them as a person. There's a lot of empathy there. Did it did it get really difficult at times to hear those experiences?
4: No, absolutely. And there's so many levels to it that makes it so complex. And so making sure to capture all of these aspects in 30 minutes. Um, was a lot and I think an important part of like even making this film is making obvious to the audience that there's always way more to the story that the story goes beyond just these 30 minutes you know like that organization still exists today and there's still injustices happening today Um, and I think overall because our main goal was to start a conversation with the film and that's what we want to be doing because we haven't had this conversation in Chicago yet
1: right a lot of people don't even know about it. I was telling mm-hmm. people about what I was doing today, and they were like, what? People that have lived in Chicago are around it their entire lives. And yeah. I was doing a little bit of research on it um, before I came in today. And it's been around since the 90s. Yeah, And we didn't find out about it until, what, 2012 was One when the Guardian article? of
0: our locations was a hardware store. Um, I don't know if I should mention which one. Just yeah, you know, to be on the oh, safe come side. Come on, give them some promotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, yes, that's true. But I, I mean, well, you know what? Okay, PJ's Ace Hardware. Okay, um, which is in Oak Park. Um, they used to have a location, or they, the the store used to be located in Homan, uh, in Homan Square, and. Um, when we were describing to them um, the kind of movie that we were making and the story that we were telling um, in the negotiation to please, please let us come in and shoot this gear-up sequence in your hardware store, (laughs) you know, hat in hand kind of situation, Um, he recounted to me a story, um, well, not not a story specifically, but just a, a memory of always knowing that something was going on in that old Sears building. And he could never quite put his finger on it, mm-hmm. but it was very much a we all knew that something was going on in there that was just not – wasn't it wasn't right is the way that
3: he put it. A lot of rumors of yeah. customers coming in and talking about it.
0: And, like, also seeing kind of cops – coming in and out of there in ways that just rubbed him in a way that was uncomfortable. So it was interesting. There's like this hanging specter for people who are from that neighborhood of this complex of horrors. Mm
2: -hmm. And something that seemed very, you know, it's on the hush-hush. You know, you mentioned rumors, kind of just knowing. It's part of the the uh, narrative of the neighborhood. They're just like, yeah, that old Sears, something real fucked up is happening there, but people are just kept away out of fear. And Mm they don't, they, they don't want to know more. It's that darkness. You know, if we step too deep into it, I think that's maybe why that story didn't stick around as long. Cause they were just like regular, you know, regular folks in the city read about it and they're like, Oh shit. Our police forces actively acting just out completely out of jurisdiction, with impunity in our own neighborhood
1: someone described it to me as like a mini guantanamo bay in chicago i mean
2: that's basically what it is yeah it's just pure torture and um i guess that brings us to you know with making a making a film out of it do you feel that there is and with soft cage i would say all of your films have a social if not goal but message you know you want to change something or at least flip the script give a different perspective with the very progressive revolutionary at times abolitionist uh undertones of this story what how do you think people what do you what do you want people to take away from watching black site
3: uh i'm really interested in this story mainly because it seems like the um The ways in which they were protesting was really creative, and it was kind of like unassailable. You know, we're talking to the Let Us Breathe collective, the people that founded the original Freedom Square, and just hearing them talk about how it changed the relationship between them as activists and the police that would come through and were not welcome in the camp. It was really interesting because there's nothing you know, that the police could point to that would justify shutting it down. So they were able to grow and occupy this space and be safe and be sort of um, uh, in a in their own little mini-community that they had built themselves. It had its own rules um, without any interference. So I thought that was interesting because I think a lot of times uh, when people take to the streets, um, there's there's a lot of... Tactics that the police use to undermine things like that. You know, whether it's having plainclothes cops uh, start um, like physical altercations and that justifies swooping in and shutting the whole thing down, things like that. This was so pure and so creative and such a, um obvious good for the community that there was no way that the police had any... I mean, they were just kind of impotent. They couldn't do anything in the face of this thing um and it brought so much attention to it it empowered so many people it uh it and and, it, and it's the kind of thing that still exists and only grew after after they after they left that site they moved into a building they still exist they're still working towards social justice and so the other part of this film is we're going to put a little documentary at the end um about about the real story mm-hmm. the real events all the way up to present day and to try to have a call to action so that people can actually get involved. Like if this upsets you, there's something you can do about it. Mm -hmm. We don't have to feel powerless.
1: Did making the film sort of feel like that? It was something that once you told people about it, I mean, it does seem like it at first glance, it kind of seems like it could be a hard sell, right? But when you think about it a little bit more deeply, like film is a compelling medium to tell a revolutionary story. And so is music. And both of those things are proven out in history or, you know, historically. So when you brought this to Spence and you brought this to the people at soft cage and you started getting, uh, the writers like Adia Ivy and a Johnny Moulton and getting the casting director together and all of that, were people really excited about it? Or did some people try to distance themselves a little bit from it?
3: Um, I'm actually having a hard time thinking of anyone that, like, was turned off by the idea. I think that the exciting part was that, like, first thing that I thought of over two years ago was sort of this, like, little elevator pitch. And it was so fun to see how I could just, like, throw out this two-line pitch to people and they'd be like, whoa, I've never heard of anything like that. Like, we kept hearing that over and over again. Like, I don't think film has to reinvent the wheel every time. I don't think you need to have like this this awesome idea that you protect and it's going to just be revolutionary. But this was the first time I feel like that just kind of happened. Like I'm pitching it to people and they're like, "Whoa." Yeah. Like when you start making the film, contact me or I can hook you up with this person and like suddenly the ball started rolling and it was like the momentum was kind of out of our hands. Like I had like a list of dream musicians that i'll reach out to but there's no way like they're way out of our league and Mm. they worked on the film like the legendary ono a band from the 70s in chicago one of the first punk rock bands in the first wave and they became this like noise avant-garde band that's still around and they're incredible and they have this rich history and like i said they're legends and I've never thought in a million years that they would be interested, but they sat down with us for interviews. They worked on some songs in the soundtrack. They're helping promote us now. I mean, it was incredible.
0: They not only referred to our movie as important um, (laughs) on their social media, which um, shout out Ono Band, thank you. Um, They also, um, the session for recording... Music with them was very different than it was with every other musician. How? Because <laughs> they invited us, the five of us. So our music director Patrick Burke, our composer Angelo, David, our director, and myself. Um, oh, and Matt and, Frost. And Matt Frost, our um, our our sound mixer, and also. Um, Uh, Angela's girlfriend. She was invited to come down. So we all come down there. I think I did the math wrong. Six of us. So we all come down there to their house on the south side where uh, Travis Travis, uh, lead singer for Ono, cooked us a meal, um, demanded that we eat as much of it as humanly possible, (laughs) and then... Talked with us about how the band started, and then the rest of the band came in and they also ate food. So, effectively, what they invited us into was their regular Sunday tradition of feeding each other, talking about stuff, and then playing music, which they did. They then proceeded to have a
3: full rehearsal with costumes. Nice. in their living room do they wear room. do they wear costumes when they play the uh, lead singer Travis Travis he goes through multiple Several costumes, oh, costume changes awesome. and he did it in every single
0: one of those costume changes happened in the rehearsal
3: it was They're, they remarkable. were prepping to go on a big tour so they were going through their set and they like to make every single set uh, on their tour completely different like a unique show
0: so they made us food, and then they made incredible art in front of us, and then they said, so what would you like us to do? After and that. After After that, they did all that. Yeah. What, what would you like us to do? Like, what, what kinds of beats would you like us to hit? Like, we thought we were going to go in there, and they were just going to kind of, like, crank something out real quick and hand it to us. Instead, they, like, asked us specifically for, like, the beats that they want to hit, and, like, the style that we needed, and all sorts of stuff we were able to kind of craft
3: it um and And travis travis was able to assume sort of like a a character within the film you know not having seen the film we haven't shot the scene yet but just uh you know working with him talking about like if if you're a vocalist and you're and you're and you're gonna be part of this if your voice is part of this scene who are you and so there's things that are in that scene that i i can't imagine that scene without it but i couldn't have imagined it ahead of time either
0: no and now the black side itself has a voice yeah it it is itself a character with a voice which is great and it's singing and it's well well not exactly singing uh it's it's travis Travis travising (laughs) <laughs> ah, all right. well, that's super, that's Check out. Oh no, you'll see what we're talking. You'll about. Yeah, yeah, we're t- I need to. Now. I have a feeling that he would prefer that we that we refer to it that way. He's Travis. Travising, yeah. and um, and he Travis. Travis's like no one else has ever Travis. Travis before. He's
3: like the freest <laughs> artist yeah, I've ever met in my life. Pretty incredible. It's inspiring. I mean, he's like something like seventy-two years old, I believe, and he's more vital than. 20-year-olds I know. It's incredibly yeah, inspiring it. to see someone who's in his peak right now. Yeah. You know? yeah, exactly. What
1: was that Akira Kurosawa quote where he said that he believes that the real work doesn't begin until you're oh, after you're 80 yeah <laughs> that guy didn't travis what travis is, traversing tra- expectation yeah <laughs> yes a, he's a, growing up travis, so fast a Kurosawa <laughs> level <laughs> yeah of dedication
3: yeah <laughs> can't wait to what he's to what he does to see what he does in the next 10 years yeah, right. yeah. i
2: want to i want to jump into some of the nuts and bolts of getting people together and uh mm. getting them all to perform like choreographed sequences to music that you know if we've seen some of the some of the footage and it it just looks incredible cool like we've seen stills it looks unbelievable and um so i wanted to talk to you guys about where did you find some of the performers uh how did you get together and find some of the locations where you shot how did that all come together Piece by
0: piece. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, like some of them uh, we found through just our network of friends. Um, some of them we found just through auditions, and we got just weird and lucky.
3: Um, some stuff, like just one quick little story about like one of our. Uh, so, so we had our composer who, Angelo, who was sort of like the the mastermind. Um, but for each song, we collaborated with songwriters. And uh, we also on top of that had several lyricists and uh, some of the lyricists would write verses for across multiple songs, perhaps tracking like a particular relationship through that arc in the film. So that there was like a consistent voice that you can kind of track through the film. Um, One of those lyricists, uh, Fury. Um, for MC instance, Fury shout out MC Fury I heard an interview with her on the radio and it was one of those weird moments where like I didn't know the, the, this was before the script was even written but I kind of knew we were making this film and I was just kind of being trying to be aware of, of different voices that might be interesting to try to pull in and I heard this interview with her and I pulled over my car and I like wrote her name down and then um a few months later, I was working this street festival, and it's like this country rock festival. And all of a sudden, I hear like hip-hop and rhyming, <laughs> and I'm like, what is this? And I, I walk around to the edge of the stage, and I see that it's Fury. And so, of course, I like ran over to her as soon as her set was done. And I'm like, this is really bizarre, because I have this film that I really want to get you involved in. And immediately, she was into it. And so that kind of thing was like, oh, like my 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 dream choice. And now I'm like standing here in a room talking with you and we're like collaborating. Yeah, mm-hmm. It's crazy. And yeah. that happened. And purely by happenstance. That's like one detail. Purely yeah. by happenstance. And that happened like a thousand times in this film where we're just like, mm-hmm. for real?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, there, there are a lot of moments where we... Where things kind of fell into our laps, you know, with uh, a couple of the locations, with some of the artists. But I think that, you know, we were so ready once the artists came to us that all we had to do was tell them what we were doing. Yeah. And and I think that there's uh, – we, we spent hours preparing – in writing sessions, hours preparing in just like crafting not only the script, but talking about the characters, talking about what kind of design we want the film to have, talking about just, you know, I, I have this thing that David's heard me say a zillion times, um, bringing sort of big budget principles and values to low budget filmmaking, because not all of them cost money. Some big budget uh, practices and habits are just practices and habits. One of them is talking incessantly about the details of your story and of the film that you're trying to make out of your story. Mm-hmm. And in Creating so a common doing,
3: language, too, is really We create
0: key. a common language and we create uh, the necessary uh, material so that we can go out and say that we're making a rollicking musical about police brutality in Chicago, you know? And know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and people can go, whoa. And when they engage us with that, because the whoa is like, that's the first part. But the important part is after the whoa, and they say, tell me about it. Exactly. you know, And do we have enough material to fill? Do we have enough, do we have... The idea to still down enough where we could tell you about it on an elevator from one floor to the next. Answer is yes, we've got that part. Do we also have enough space to fill like a five or ten minute conversation? Perhaps we have enough to fill a podcast episode. You know, bringing it full circle. And again. once
2: we have that, <laughs> uh, we're on. We're out here now.
0: Yeah, yeah. It just we, got
2: meta. Welcome, idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you can uh, shine a light on something I was curious about. How many? How many drafts did the script need to go through? How many rewrites and all that? I mean, there it is. Yeah. She's like, oh man, a million. The just answer, more, the answer is re- breaking just out just into laughter. Out.
1: Done.
4: I honestly, I feel like I can at least say five throughout the year, hmm. I would say. Um Yeah. It's grown a lot. And it was also just like a great experience because it was my first time like officially screenwriting. Um I've written scripts before, but this was I guess the most technically formatted and like down to every single detail kind of thing. Um, But yeah, it it developed a lot from the first draft to final.
2: What were some of the biggest changes that you had to make? Was it like character wise or location or just the the structure of the story?
4: I would probably say the character development, because again, when we were first writing it, it was going beyond 30 minutes (laughs) and we just have to cut it down enough Um, while still making sure that they're actual characters with personalities and problems. Um, So I think that was probably the most challenging, but also making sure that the writing's consistent amongst the three writers of us, um, just because we have slightly different styles. Uh, But yeah, and I feel like, because David mentioned, like, common communication, and, like, also incessantly talking about the production throughout the entire process. Mm-hmm. And I feel like being able to have the same vocabulary definitely helps make sure that we're all on the same level um, and the same understanding of how we want the characters to be, how we want the story to be, and everything like that.
2: I mean, that's, a di- that's the most difficult thing to do is nailing characters in thir- 30 minutes while still having the rollicking musical going Man, on yeah. features are easy <laughs> yeah features that's nothing compared <laughs> to a 30 minute 30, 30 minute
1: so the, bad the whole, boy the whole film is going to be 30 minutes yeah and was yeah. there a specific reason that you wanted to do that did you feel as though that working budget reasons time for, union okay.
3: rules there's a whole slew of reasons
1: okay well yeah. we don't have to go into that one, but, <laughs> yeah but i was curious because i wasn't actually sure i was going to ask like what is the for people who are interested in you know you know, donating to the movie and helping make it become a reality. Like what can we like expect from what the film is going to look like, you know what I mean?
2: Ah
1: I see. So thirty minutes is going to be the whole runtime plus the little documentary that you see. I would say that it is
3: a traditional three act structure and there are characters that have big arcs and there are relationships that develop and change and there are just the amount of ground we cover in that 30 minutes could easily be a future film like this is one thing about the process of writing the script is that um everything kind of was coming together all at once so the script was like in its final you know uh uh, they had sort of broken up the workload and were like putting together you know radically reimagining sort of like the structure Um, of the of the screenplay while we're writing music while I'm locking down locations so it was important that like everyone knew exactly what story we're telling so that we could all be kind of putting everything into place all at once and the benefit of that was that every single moment in the film I was just talking to Spence about this this has never been my experience on a film it's so tight and rich that like every moment of action builds on character, fords the plot, and 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 contributes to the theme. So every moment is full. There's not any just sort of like. Terrence Malekin going on <laughs> so.
2: there's the way you don't have any you know shots of wheat Like, oh wow or,
3: or the fragility or, of life well, wheat a, at wheat. that point yeah, yeah. Right. so I would right. say it's a 30-minute film but it won't feel smaller than a feature film
2: well and I think that has to do with a lot of the fact that it's a musical yeah. and um, one thing I've always noticed with musicals both on the stage and the screen is that the the song a good musical the music does work it does right. work for you, so you've got the script there. And it is a got, scene. Yeah, yeah, it's got it's got a lot of dense stuff in the script, and then you have to work on the music too, which also has to be in tandem with that script. As you mentioned, the layers of character, theme, plot, all that kind of stuff.
0: So, David and I were talking about. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. David and I were talking about like um, action sequences. Yes. <laughs> as they relate to sex scenes, as they relate to songs in musicals or movies or whatever you know the the things that use those materials as their as their building blocks and um the what those three things have in common is that when done properly um and in this context by properly i mean done in a way that is motivated to tell story uh expose character and uh forward plot uh Preferably all at the same time. Mm-hmm. When when those things do that, they're sublime and they're remembered, um, and they become the big set pieces. Um, and when they're done poorly. Uh, they're the thing that you point to when you're laughing at the movie and talking about yeah. how bad it was. Mm-hmm.
3: So it's either exploitative yeah. or like you can have a fight scene that feels like porn. Yeah,
2: or like in Game of Thrones, the uh, where we get the term sex position.
3: Yeah, sex position. like
2: I'm going to explain. Yeah, what's happening right here, but also naked, a but sex also scene naked. that feels like an action scene
1: yeah.
0: or an yeah. action scene that feels, feels like, like porn. This, like yeah, yeah, yeah wow. exactly. You know, I mean, it, you know, and, and the difference is really interesting when you, when you take something like Game of Thrones and you compare it to spartacus blood and sand for instance and mm-hmm. you, you get a pretty broad uh difference despite the fact that both of those things show very explicit sexuality but mm-hmm. in one it informs character in another it's kind of like a music video <laughs> 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 you know um. it's a digression so you know um not that all music videos are d- digressions to be clear but um i so you know to to answer Uh, or to add rather to the answer to your question of what you can expect. We all tried our damnedest to uh, craft a narrative that was full of like truth, you know? Um, And we tried our damnedest to do that in a way that's engaging and hopefully entertaining and hopefully provides some kind of an intellectual challenge. Um, And, I think that that stuff came through on the screen. I think that the the actors felt that and brought it to their performances. I think that the musicians felt that and brought it to uh, the songs that they wrote and the things that they played. I think that um, we managed to express our controlling idea with all of the aspects like at the fundamental level
2: wow well what would you say to someone who sees this or hears about this musical and they say this is anti-police or Mm -hmm. this is this is propaganda Uh, what would you say to someone this is uh you know this is bad essentially someone who says this is uh unfair to police this is unfair to law-abiding citizens this is just uh, uh what's the word liberal bullshit i don't yeah. know what to, like sure. obviously this people, is this Feminazi is a str- stuff yeah. yeah obviously this is
3: we're called
1: i Kathleen will admit this Kennedy's is a strong
3: nazi agenda people
2: that are afraid <laughs> people
1: that are af- like afraid of hearing something like that right yeah. because yeah. it's overly challenging i it's- mean that's
3: why we were it was such a huge responsibility to tell this story and so we started with the research i mean we've been we were there i, I mean i was there and i and i filmed Uh, Footage, and I talked to people while it was happening. Um, We reached out to every... We tracked down every lead. We had a full-time researcher um, during the writing phase of the script uh, on staff, and um, Adia reached out to many uh, survivors, and um, we did, uh, of course, attempt to talk to police. Um, We were able to talk to some police that weren't necessarily Chicago police, but just kind of talking about procedures and things like that. but I think that the the story that we're telling um while it is an elevated um uh form, the musical uh it's all grounded in in humanity and reality and things that actually happened, so you can't really come at us uh in terms of like the experiences that people that people had 'cause you did your you all did your homework, yeah essentially, so yeah. this happened and There, that's that's provable, you know. So you can't really come at us with that. So if if it feels anti-police, well, then maybe there's some things that need to change with the police, or maybe policing always inevitably leads to this.
0: Mm -hmm. Yes, it's like the most
3: over-policed neighborhood in all of Chicago. Like. Homan square the actual black site talking to let us B- breathe collective and just hearing about like two or three blocks that way there's a huge police station two or three blocks in the other direction there's a police station it's just like a a, a a police state that they live in constantly and then the black site on top of that so more and more and more police this is what happens And yes. so people just don't
1: know about it either mm-hmm. most a lot of people don't yes. in
0: the city yeah to all of our fellow postmodern neo-Marxist feminazi libtard SJWs out there.
2: <laughs> Shout out Jordan Peterson.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I just have to say that when you're telling stories about the establishment, it's the, the really easy thing to do. And we talked about this a ton um, as we were crafting the, the thing. The really easy thing to do is to reduce the forces of antagonism to cliches, particularly when those forces of antagonism are some form of the establishment. Mm-hmm. I think that what we tried to do, and I think we accomplished it. We, we, we set out to make our cops characters. They're people, they're people who made choices, um, that, um, we would think of as terrible choices but they're people they have dimension um and so to anyone who would suggest that this is an anti-police story the first thing that i would say um is that it happened that this is we 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 have changed Uh, bits and pieces here and there Um, in our narrative we have we've crafted our own story from the events but the events did happen Um, so we're not making up that the second thing that I would probably say is that um, if you are a member of law enforcement you should be for communities doing what our film is suggesting that communities do, which is coming together, supporting each other, um, against whatever form of, imp- of, uh, oppression there is. And you should be standing with them in that you should not be standing. You should not be the thing that they're fighting. You should be the thing standing next to them, fighting whatever the thing is. Um, so yeah, I guess it's
1: literally I'm, emblazoned on the sides of their cars, right? Yeah, that
0: serve yeah. and protect, yeah. right? So that's the service and that's the protection, and once we lose that, then then we've lost a lot. Um, some would say that it was never there in the first place. Um, so 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 we have to figure out uh, where we go from there and and come at. The problem in this case being the way that we police in megalopolises like Chicago, um, and particularly in smaller neighborhoods, uh, predominantly um, uh, uh, people of color neighborhoods like Home and Square, and come at that honestly. If you believe that the key. Um, to making neighborhoods safe is to crack down as hard as you can and squeeze the life out of as many people as possible so that you can keep them in line, then just say that and be clear about that. I will disagree with you, but then we can have a dialogue, Mm -hmm. like an actual honest dialogue and maybe even come to some kind of a conclusion, you know. As other people enter that dialogue and decide how they feel, <laughs> you know, and I, I, bel- I earnestly believe that most people, I, on- I honestly believe that most people uh, don't feel that way. I, 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 it is my earnest belief that most folks would say, "What? Well, that don't sound right."
2: <laughs> is is this an optimistic film? Do you feel that this uh, ends on a note of hope?
0: I would say it's hopeful. I don't know if I would say it's optimistic. You know, mm-hmm. you feel me how do you that? differentiate the two? I think optimism lives in a, in an, a, a, a kind of um, belief that the nature of everything is good and sunshine and rainbows and lollipops are, in fact, what the world is made of. Um, whereas hopefulness is about believing that things can be better than they were before and can, in fact, continue to get better than they've ever been and i think that a cursory look at history proves that that has been so
4: i agree with i I like the definition that you just put out there for hopeful and i do feel like with the way that we provide our ending it's putting out there that this there are solutions there they're tangible change can happen it's just a matter of going for it and obviously it's not just like oh we'll just get it done, everything's fixed. Right. It's a process because it's a systemic issue. But I guess just because we talk about the different ways we can approach activism, and I feel like it's very easy to feel hopeless. And so providing the different ways that we can make a change is what the overall message of the film is about. And that if people walk away from watching that seeing it just as a liberal agenda or fuck the police then i feel like that is a very fundamental issue in itself because the main thing is to start a discussion about it in the first place
2: all right i want to end it with one last question and uh this is for everybody feel free to take turns what's your favorite musical Oh, yeah. there we go. There we go. we Were expecting that, were you? No. What what is I know and expenses. it can be it can be, <laughs> I know Disney, it can be Disney. It can be Disney. It can be Okay. Anything you've seen, it could be musical adjacent. It doesn't have I'll to be start. strictly classical thinking musical, but uh, just to end on the fact that this is a musical,
3: I want to know. I'll start and I'll do Spence's. <laughs> oh, All right. Uh, Spence's favorite musical, Jesus Christ Superstar. Very, it very Good. much is <laughs>
0: musical. I saw it in high school. Um, so we're going to do this backwards. You're going to then say it. So I saw it in <laughs> high school. Um, and uh, my music teacher, um, Phyllis Kurtwright, was her name, is her name. I don't know where she is in the world. I haven't spoken to her in since I was in high school. So there you go. Um, but um, she had a very profound influence on me. And she was doing this unit where she was talking about opera. And she started by saying that opera is like basketball. And we were all like... Tell us more. <laughs> so you've got the small forward. <laughs> you, you got a center, and they need to be aggressive in the blocks. See, here's the <laughs> Right. You need to have a presence in the paint. No. is um, like basketball in this way, that she continued. Um, it's boring if you don't know the rules. And it was like, oh. Huh. Knowing the rules of a thing is what makes it interesting and and little did I realize that that would be like a part of my entry into story itself and like learning how to tell it and how that works sports and story that we could do a whole podcast about that point is um we will. she showed <laughs> she showed us Jesus Christ superstar um after we had learned some of the rules of opera and i had never spent that much time with rock and roll before and it was just like oh my god this is this is everything that i've ever hoped for from this thing that i used to hear about called musicals mm-hmm. so um i revisited a lot i just saw it at um the uh, lyric it was unbelievable um, we won't talk about the TV show thing. Yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. whole other podcast. On, and, yeah. <laughs> stuff. Like we said, we'll, we're <laughs> oh, producing really it now. That. Oh, God. It's right. pre production. David's favorite musical is Hedwig and the Angry Inch Ah, yeah. Oh, oh, I've never even heard of that a, one. Are you serious? Oh. No, I haven't. That is, oh that is a very God. punk rock musical. No, that's great. You have an opportunity now. Yeah. Wow, teachable
3: S- moment. me. We'll
1: insert the graphics later. Yeah.
3: I was working at a theater in high school. And I was an usher And as an usher you kind of duck in and out of the theater All day long And so you f- you see movies across When they're released you see You see them in like five minute chunks uh, You know Ten or twenty five minute chunks throughout the day For like three weeks And sure. so seeing that film Was even out of order like that Like I saw pieces of it And every time I walk in I'm like Okay is this the same movie? Like what is happening? it was it's everything it's so dark it's so joyful it's so punk rock it explores uh you know transgender issues it explores east and west berlin during the cold war um it explores fame and depression and and just so much cool stuff and the way it does it is so like diy like it felt like this is something you could make because there's like hand drawn animations that pop up um there's like just just everything about it was something I'd never seen before. It was completely disorienting and kind of introduced me to uh, one of the films that introduced me to filmmaking as an art rather than like a big budget entertainment sort of, um, you know, grindhouse situation. Sure. And what's so, it called?
1: It's Hedwig and the...
3: Hedwig and the Angry Inch. The Angry Inch. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I only
4: just saw it a couple of months ago, actually. Oh. Isn't like, it great? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was good.
3: All right. All
2: so just so, Edwig?
4: So <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I saw it a couple months ago. I think my favorite is probably Chicago, though. I saw it yeah. when I was, like, 12. And, yeah. And I saw yeah. it again for Humanities, because we were talking about, like, morality. And we're like, let's dive into it. And, yeah, I don't know. It made me appreciate it more. But I didn't realize, because I didn't grow up seeing much, like, live musicals. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize the, like major difference between a film musical and, like, actually seeing it live. Like, how they can be different, but also what can be added through film. Mm -hmm. So, I think it was nice to reference while working on this project.
2: Yeah. And that's the Richard Gere... Renée, wait, Chicago the musical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a good Catherine yeah. yeah. Zeta-Jones. Zeta
0: Zeta 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 Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes. She
2: dips beneath, beneath lasers. <laughs> lasers.
0: Wait, is that an actual song? Yeah, uh, it's from a
2: show, right? I'm not sure. Workaholics.
0: Ah,
3: yeah. When they
2: when they sing about Catherine Zeta-Jones <laughs> in uh, Entrapment yeah. with uh,
3: yes. yeah. Sean Connery. Yes. Yes. Sean Connery.
0: All right. Everyone, do your best, Sean Connery. Go.
2: <laughs> Go fuck yourself, Grofelt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Black Sight, the musical, uh, an incredibly thoughtful exploration of a very serious topic with uh, dance numbers and everything you could ever want out of a musical. Should we it's gonna the be the Indiegogo? Yeah, please.
0: Where we have an we... Indiegogo,
3: y'all. It's going to be, be up in two a... weeks. We're using yeah. money to finish this thing.
0: All right. Yeah. If, if you If you like social justice and music and hip-hop and stuff, you should give us some money and we'll give you some of that
3: and if you want to see more radical risk-taking films like this in chicago
2: yes soft cage films who you guys have been making films like this for for a long time now and uh we really appreciate you guys i mean really if you want to see some truly thoughtful filmmaking some of the most intelligent filmmaking by some of the most intelligent people uh, (laughs) in the filmmaking community i mean seriously (sighs) fantastic um where can we follow soft cage on social media and um what's the what's the name of the indiegogo for black Sight? uh
3: well if you search um black Sight the musical on indiegogo you'll find it otherwise uh, we do have a link to it on the front page of our website Softcagefilms.com. Um, we're on instagram now uh the kids tell me <laughs> <laughs> kids. Uh, we're on facebook soft cage films um the instagram i believe is Blacksite the musical there's some hashtags in there too Mm-hmm. There's a couple two-treatos. Yeah, if you're into that. If you're
0: Chicagoan. And we have to give shouts out because one of the other things that we we must do is give attention to these folks. Um, Let Us Breathe Collective. Check them out because they're still here. Mm -hmm. They are one of the major inspirations for this story, and they are doing incredible work. Let Us Breathe Go there and find out how social justice can be fun. And
3: they have open houses uh the breathing room uh series is is um weekly so you just show up yep. and get poetry
0: involved, hang out and music and guided meditations and art and a free store that's exactly what it and sounds like. And some of the
3: like. most like inspiring conflict resolution I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> oh, man.
0: All right, David Holcomb
2: Spence warren and Adia ivy all from soft cage thank you so much for coming on
3: thanks the show. thanks for having us again yeah. spectacular
1: thanks.
2: spectacular yeah. Yeah. conversation we're really excited to see this it's cool.
1: gonna be special we can tell so. in six to
3: eight short months six. <laughs>
2: <laughs> only we'll two
1: only 20 million seconds until the release yeah
2: <laughs> thank you so much for uh listening to this 50th episode of noco cinema i can't believe we did it thank you wow. so much for being with us for all 50 episodes um Let's hope for 50 more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we got, did get that coveted 100-episode
1: order. I I sent it to you. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. You sent me, hey, can we do another 50 episodes, yeah. please? <laughs> I was sure, begging Sure, why you. not? Just why now, not? I did. Oh, boy. Uh, again, you guys are amazing. Uh, this has been NoCo Cinema here on Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hodge. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you all next week.